there are two things today that kind of guide me back to the solution and its willingness and acceptance, right? And so I need to accept life however it looks like. And it may not look pretty sometimes and not be the way I want it. But when I take a moment and accept that God, my God doesn't make any mistakes. And that's my personal uh, belief for my God. It doesn't have to be yours. When I accept that my God doesn't make mistakes, I'm less disturbed. I'm less angry. I'm less mad at the world because mad at the world is my default. And the willingness for me is how do I stay willing at this point is by never forgetting that day that I actually had enough courage and misery to try and end my own life, right? And I never, a lot of people talk about the yets, you know, oh, I've never been arrested at the yet. I'm sure it is. If you go out and drink, it'll, it won't be a yet anymore. And that's great. But from an alcoholic like me, that doesn't scare me enough. What scares me, which keeps me willing is the agains, because I never want to do the things that I used to do again. I never want to feel the way that I felt again. And those agains keep me willing to do whatever it takes to stay sober one day at a time. I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Wait, say, Sam. What's up, Mr. Donnie? (laughs) I was at a meeting last night, and there was a lady there for the first time ever coming to AA, and it got me to thinking, particularly looking from her perspective and remembering when I came into AA the first time, who is eligible for AA? Who is it for? If, if I'm 18 years old, am I too young? Am I eligible? Well, yeah. And, you know, I mean, even 16, 15, 12. I mean, 12 could be a stretch. You might have a hard time identifying, but maybe. <laughs> if I'm a woman, am I eligible? Um, Yeah. If I'm incredibly smart, A PhD? Um, Am I eligible for AA? Oh, absolutely eligible. You might be too smart for your own good, but (laughs) we can take care of that too. What if I'm LGBTQ? Absolutely. If I'm 65 years old, white man and retired? Oh, that would be you. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) I'll fit in. Uh, What if I'm atheist and don't believe in God? Absolutely. Hi, me too. One more, Sam. You got another one? Yeah. What if I use drugs? Absolutely. If you use drugs and you have a desire to stop drinking alcohol, you are absolutely eligible to join Alcoholics Anonymous and come to our meetings and be a part of. Uh, We are not focused on drug use. We are focused on not drinking. Um, But... The best way I've heard it put is if it affects you from the neck up, um, then then it's probably something we shouldn't be doing. But we focus on alcoholism. The bottom that we describe in AA is when we reach the point where we totally gave up drinking alcohol and all other substances. And, and all others. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things, too, about uh, when I go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, I am introduce myself as Sam. I'm an alcoholic. Um, if I go to another fellowships meeting, uh, I may introduce myself as Sam. I'm an addict. I don't say I'm an alcoholic if I go to another fellowships meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, I respect the fellowship that I'm, I'm in, that I'm participating yeah. in at the moment. But 
the thing is, is that no matter what situation you have when you walk into an AA meeting, you're going to find that there are people who know how to live sober and know how to live successfully sober and enjoy life and be productive in life. Absolutely. And, you know, you went through a kind of exhaustive list, but, you know, it wasn't really exhaustive because there are so many flavors of us in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and every single one of us belongs in these rooms. I heard at the meeting that the thing to do, someone said that he was told, go to an AA meeting, don't go to one, go to three before you make up your mind about any one group. Because any meeting can have, they can be different on different nights. Yep. So go to, don't make up your mind on one meeting. Absolutely. A meeting can have a bad day too. <laughs> That's right. And it really is for anyone who wants to quit drinking and can't. Exactly. If you have a desire to stop drinking, then you can come to AA. It's that simple. Sam, who's our guest today? Don, today's guest is Kayla G. from Long Island, New York. All right. I can't wait to meet Kayla. But first... Sam, isn't it great the way AA just gives us this podcast for free? It doesn't work quite that way, Don. What? While we provide the podcast at no charge, we do have expenses. Grapevine is the only AA entity that does not accept contributions. Nothing from the basket or other money from your home groups. So to support the AA Grapevine podcast, please subscribe to Grapevine Magazine in print or digital. Or provide a subscription to someone in need through our Carry the Message program. Or purchase books or other items at aagrapevine.org slash store. Hey guys, I'm Kayla G from Long Island, New York, and today I'm grateful to be an alcoholic. Kayla, thank you so much for joining us. I'm grateful you're an alcoholic too. (laughs) I'm grateful you're a sober alcoholic. There you go. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Kayla, when did you get sober? My sober date is May 11th of 2020. Nice. Ooh, okay. So we've got a... uh... I'm an online meeting baby. (laughs) which I'm actually not. Um, I did find a home group that was meeting in person. I imagine online was definitely a, uh, an integral part of your early recovery. It was, I went through the steps online with a sponsor. What was going on with you that brought you to AA? We were talking about lots of different kinds of people coming into AA and trying to fit in. When you came into AA, did you immediately go, oh, this is for me? No, not at all. Actually, um, May 11th of 2020 is not my first sober date. Back in 2019 was my first sober date. And I wound up in uh, AA after having a stroke at the age of 26. Hmm. Um, due to my alcoholism and um, other substances. Um, And I was kind of given an ultimatum to wind up in a treatment center where AA was first introduced to me. Okay. And I wanted nothing to do with it at all. Um, There was a lot of people, my parents' age, coming up to bring meetings every night, and I I couldn't identify with their stories, and I kept being told to identify with their feelings. And I don't know about anyone else, but for me, in the very beginning, I mean, like the first few weeks of being – abstinent from alcohol 
and everything else, I couldn't identify my own feelings, let alone identify oh, with gosh, yours. Yes. So it was really, mm-hmm. it was like, I don't get it. How am I supposed to do that? And then one night, uh, two young girls came up. The speaker was 18 years old and she said she had two years sober. And I said, yeah, right. So I listened to everything this girl said and I identified with everything, the story, the feelings, everything. And um, they said, go up to the speaker after to like get their number, shake their hand, say, thank you. I went up there with alternative motives because I was still a very sick alcoholic. And I went up there with the intentions to catch this girl on a lie. Cause like, there's no way you're sober two years at 18 years old. Um, and very quickly, I realized that that girl had felt the same pain I was in in that moment, but she was completely free of it. And um, I was inspired that night. And uh, I decided that night um, that maybe this was for me. Um, I went back to my room and I said my first prayer and I said, I don't know what to do. And um, I wound up going into a residential treatment facility after that, making a decision not to go home and to just work for my recovery. And so that's what started my AA journey. Well, I went to my first AA meeting when I was 18 years old and didn't darken AA's doors again until I was 32. Yeah, it's not an easy thing to do to walk into those meetings in the beginning. Yeah, I felt at first um, back in 2019 when I first started attending AA outside in the real world, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, Again, it was a lot of people my parents age, maybe a little older than my parents. And I felt a little uncomfortable. I almost like I always have this thing with like authority or older people. Like I feel like I have to like act a certain way around them. Um, And so I didn't feel completely comfortable until I found a home group, which had like these older fellows in them, but they like welcomed us all, all the, you know, the girls and the guys that were in the, the treatment facilities, they would come pick us up. You know, they were just so caring and kind. And I did start to like hear the message while I was there and get the hope. Like, I remember one of the women that came to pick us up every week, she had gotten sober when she was in her mid twenties and I was in my mid twenties and I was like, wait, really? And this woman had like the most luxurious long gray hair and like had, had like the beautiful flowy dresses every week and like just so <laughs> peaceful. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. You know, I don't like picture myself <laughs> looking like that one day, but like, I want the peace she has, you know? Yeah. Um, and to, and to hold on to it for as long as she has, like, that sounds great to me because four months sounded like a stretch back then. That was like, whoa, you know, like you, you're sober over 30 years. Like I'm not even alive 30 years at that time. You know, it was crazy. That didn't seem real when I first came in that people were sober 30 years. And in fact, I really identified with this guy who had six months and I started talking to him and I was going, okay, he knows how to not drink these other people. They've never drank. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that was like my first time in AA. And as I said, that, that was, you know, my, my sober date is, uh, May 11, 2020 now. So I, I did decide to, uh, pick up a drink again. You know, I didn't do anything that I was taught the other 23 hours of the day. I was like that one hour I'm in the meeting and I'm a perfect little angel. And then I'm outside stealing from CVS still. I didn't apply anything into my life and I was still continuously blocked off from this higher power that I needed. And um, I was incapable of avoiding that first drink when the day came that that sounded like a good idea. The person I was drank and the person I was will drink again if I don't change yes. something besides just quit drinking. So, and you mentioned that you worked the uh, the steps with a sponsor uh, online. Did you have a sponsor in that previous time? Did you do any step work? Yes, I had a sponsor. I did. I met with her every Tuesday at four o'clock. She would come over to the treatment facility or it was it was a sober house um and we read in the basement and i did the fourth step with her i did a fifth step with her that was a really 
intense experience. Let me just say that a fourth step has made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. And what I did is I was given um, a time limit and um, I did nothing until the day before she was coming. And I sat at my desk in my little bedroom and I wrote out as much as I could in that time span, try to cancel on her. She seemed very upset with me and I didn't want to upset her. Um, so I said, okay, you can come. And I was not prepared. I didn't do a thorough or honest fourth step. Mm-hmm. I left a lot of stuff off. I didn't want to talk about. Um, and then even still with doing a fifth step on this, like not thorough, not completed fourth step, I still had this incredible experience with it um, where I realized that other people are perhaps sick as well, just like me. Right. And like letting go of that anger and understanding, like, I'm a sick person and I would want forgiveness. Right. Like, perhaps I can give that to another human being. It sounds like you were what we call peeling the onion. You did the fourth step that you were able to do at that point and willing to do. And then that helped you to move forward and become able and willing to do a more thorough fourth step. Absolutely. Yeah. So I got up to the eighth step and I got stuck on that eighth step. And it's, Silly when I look back on it now, but my sponsor would have me every time I called her and I said that like I was stuck. She's like, just read the step over, read the step over. Okay. And the eighth step is made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Exactly. And I got stuck on make amends to them all. Mm. Not the willing part, just the make amends to them all. I got stuck and I was like, I can't do this. And she said, read it over again, read it over again. And the part that I missed one reading it over and over again until the day I didn't was what that step is asking me to do is make a list. And that's all it's asking me to do is just make a list, which is like such a more simpler thing to grasp than like make the men's than all. You know, when I worked the steps the first time with my, my first sponsor, she had me make that list and then we broke it down and it was, okay, I'm willing to do these right now. These I'm willing to do at some point in the near future, but not right now. These someday. And then there was a never column. And that really helped me because then it was, then I didn't get stuck on that. I've got to do, I've got to be willing to make amends to all these people now. Yeah. I never got to that point with the sponsor. Cause, um, you know, I got in this uh, wonderful relationship with this, with this girl and, um, nothing else mattered anymore. Ah. Um, I still went to my meetings, but step work stopped mattering in my life. So she became your higher power. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So when my higher power left me, I turned to the one thing that I know was a solution for the problem that is me. Yeah, absolutely. The most normal thing for an alcoholic to do. <laughs> yeah, is to drink alcohol. And so I did. And I laugh at when I look back on it now because I'm grateful for that relapse today. Because I think I needed that to fully concede to my innermost self that I am alcoholic because drugs nice. are a part of my story. And it's a lot easier for me to identify that as a problem than the alcohol. But now I know for a fact deep down in my soul that I am an alcoholic and that relapse proved it to me. And that led to a 16 day relapse ending in a suicide attempt that was absolutely awful. The most amount of emotional pain that I've ever felt to this day. And I hope, um, I don't know what life has in store, but it was absolutely awful, which led me to back to treatment and back to Alcoholics Anonymous, um, where things really took off for me because I was at that point completely convinced I'm alcoholic and that I needed a different solution in my life and I needed to give alcoholics a true try because I realized at the end, 
because I did all the things that night that I wanted to drink. I went to a meeting online. I called my sponsor. I prayed. I called, talked to other alcoholics. I did all the things that I was taught to do. But I realized that I, the entire time I was claiming to have a connection with this higher power, I was really only getting a connection with my own ego. Kayla, you are the mm -hmm. first person I have heard say something to that effect of, of, I did not build a connection with a higher power. I built a connection with my ego. That's a profound statement. That's a profound awareness to have gotten clear looking back on it, that that's what happened. How did you see that? It took a little bit of time after I came back, looking back on the situation, because I don't know about everyone else, but I know for me, after my relapse, I want to know why did I, why did I drink? Like what led me there? Mm -hmm. And I've been told like that part is less important of just making sure you don't get there again. And so you do the, you do this as it's put in the book, you know, as it's, as it's stated in the book is how we do it. Yeah. Kayla. But the, the thing is, is that like, I'm really interested in this because how does one determine that I'm depending on my higher power and not my ego? How do I know that I'm really surrendering and working the program. So if for you, I want to hear you describe what's the difference. Um, I don't know if I have a clear answer on that. Um, what I do know is that when I did pray back in my first time around, it was empty. I didn't feel it was like the written prayers in a book that I'm supposed to say. And like, I always felt crazy talking to the wall. I didn't feel a connection. I didn't wait for answers. I never paused. It was always the first thought in my head is how I reacted. And now I've learned that the first thought in my head is probably me and my ego. So I should probably wait and wait for an answer that might make me a little uncomfortable because it's not my own answer. Yes. You know, I, I just want to share with you real quick. Uh, people who've been listening to the podcast have heard this and Don's heard it a thousand times. Um, my last drink was in 2003, but I reset my sobriety date in 2012 because I used poppers and diet pills in a way that's not sober for me. I worked the steps with my first sponsor. Then the subsequent sponsors prior to that reset, I did not work the steps with them. And ultimately, I began working this program my way instead of someone else's way. And that, for me, was very much ego. Yeah, I 100% I agree with that. I, when I typically share my experience, strength, and hope at a meeting, I when I talk about that first time in AA, I don't say that I worked the steps. I say that I learned the steps. I simply Ooh. sat down and read a book ah. with someone, and I didn't work it at all. I didn't apply it in my life. I just learned it. I was really good at learning it and sharing great in a meeting, and everyone thought I was doing great, but inside I was still broken, and I was still had that spiritual malady because I wasn't treating it with with spirit. I was treating it with me. And like, look how great I'm doing. And it didn't work. It didn't work. I picked up. What I'm hearing from the two of you is that it, whether you're new or whether you've been sober for a long time, I've got to include the other people into it. I can't know how to do everything myself. And there is a tendency, I can tell you, after you've been sober for a while, I don't need to call my sponsor because I know what I need to do. I know how I, what he's going to say, <laughs> but I think that I do need to call my sponsor at those times anyway, because I don't know exactly. So, and it's a bit of surrender. Yes. Uh, it's interesting you say that because I got to a place. So when I came back, what happened is I found a new home group um, in Long Beach, New York, that met almost every night of the week, six nights a week, they had a meeting and it was a young people's group. When I went down there and they asked who was available to sponsor and more than 80% of that room's hands went up, 
I had that thought again where it was like, yeah, right. Like all these people like my age, there's no way you've all been through the steps and now are able to sponsor. And I, and they like bum rushed me at the end of the meeting, all the women. And I started talking to them and I realized again that these people had felt the same pain that I had was in again and they were free of it. And again, I was like, okay, now I found my home in AA and it was in young people. AA. And from there, um, to fast forward, I got invited to this house party, a sober house party for someone's two year anniversary. And when I got there again, I'm a very skeptical person. I've realized I'm like, these people aren't sober. You know, they're like swimming in the pool. There's dubstep blaring in the background. They've got like a pong table going where it's water pong, not beer pong. And I'm like, they're not sober. I turned to my friend that brought me. I was like, are you sure these people are in AA? She's like, yeah, they just all came from a meeting. And I'm like, that's crazy. Um, and while I was there, I was invited to this camp out hosted by Likipa, which is the Long Island Committee of Young People in AA. And I said right to the first person that invited me, I was like, listen, I'm a power tools butch, not a dirt butch. I don't do camping. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I'm not the one, sorry. Um, and I said no to like six people until this beautiful girl walks up to me and she's like, are you going to the camp? And I'm like, yeah, I'm coming. I'm, I'm going to go. Um, here I am. Women always wind up being a higher power of mine. Oh my God, um, Kayla, I just fell in love with you. <laughs> <laughs> so I wind up going to this Licky Pot camp out and I had the most incredible weekend of my life. It was spiritually charged and I had this incredible spiritual awakening while I was there because I was on my third, fourth step. Because I, after my last experience, I came in, I got a sponsor. We went through the steps over online and um, I just felt like, what do I do now? You know, I remember asking her what I do now. And she's like, you sponsor people. And I was five months sober. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> and uh, in the back of my mind, this is a backtrack. This is like a funny other way that my mind worked back then. She was like, okay, you can put your hand up to sponsor now. And I was like, no, I can't. And so I, the next meeting I went to, they asked who was available to sponsor. And I didn't put my hand up. My sponsor was in the back of the room and blurted my name out across the room so that I would put my <laughs> hand up. And the, <laughs> sometimes a little verbal cue is in order. <laughs> yeah. And and the reality is why I didn't want to put my hand up because my ego was still so big that I thought the second my hand goes up, every girl in this room is going to come ask me to sponsor them. And I just can't do that. Um, the reality was that nobody came to ask me to sponsor them for another month until my higher power thought I was actually ready. You know, yeah. I didn't have that type of faith or understanding yet. Um, so it was just completely ego. So anyway, I go to this camp out. I'm on my, my third, fourth step and I'm stuck on my last list. I'm stuck on my, uh, sex conduct list, which I was a tyrant in early recovery and I would just flirt with anybody. So that list I knew was going to be long because I was finally willing to be honest about it because my first list wasn't honest um, when I did that sex conduct the first time coming back. So I was like stuck on this list. I was like, all right, everyone was going down Saturday morning. They do uh, yoga on the beach. And I also not a yoga girl. So like not a yogi. I'll sit this one out. And the camp had been so loud the whole weekend. And it was the first quiet moment because everyone was down on the beach. And I sat in my recliner camp chair because I had to get myself like a really nice one. Mm -hmm. And I start writing this list out. And I finish the list and I go in my tent and I meditate on my experience. Because I was like under this beautiful canopy of trees, there's birds chirping. It's just a beautiful day. It was like a perfectly 75 degree day. It was gorgeous. Mm. And I go in my tent and I meditate. And as I come to... 
the noise is back. Everyone's back from the beach. I don't know how long I was meditating for, but for the first time in my life, I realized that I was okay alone. Like I was okay sitting with myself. And that was a really profound thing for me. And then in the very next moment, I realized that I wasn't alone. Like I was sitting there with my higher power the whole time. And it was like, whoa, you know, like I get chills thinking about it again. I've got chills right now. Yeah. So I leave this camp out and I'm like completely spiritually charged. I've met at least 60 new friends from Long Island that are young, my age and in AA. And um, the next Monday I was asked to give a newcomer a ride over a meeting, but I wasn't a huge fan of the meeting. So I decided not to go in. I was going to just sit in my Jeep and wait for her. And I was sitting there scrolling on a social media platform and a friend had just posted in one of these private Facebook groups for an AA group. It was a Likipot group. And I see a post, I click on it and on their banner, it says business meetings first and third Monday of the month at 8, 15 PM. It was eight eleven, and it was the day of the business meeting. So I jumped on and I joined the committee that day and my life has never been the same. Um, they were bidding for the New York State Conference, which is called SKPA, the Empire State Conference of Young People in AA. I didn't know what that meant or what that looked like, but everyone was so welcoming. And at that first business meeting, I heard a term that I've never heard before, and it was service sponsor. They asked me if I had a service sponsor, and I said, what? <laughs> What's that? You know. And they kindly explained it to me. They said it's not a necessity to have, but we would suggest it here. Um, because we handle a lot of things that pertain with traditions and concepts that you may not understand or know how to apply in this business meeting. Doing all of this service work again with Ikipa mm-hmm. and all, and your how is your personal recovery? What are you doing today to stay sober? So today, right before we entered into hosting again, I realized that I didn't like the person I was on host last year. And a lot of that had to do with the fact I had no personal recovery going on anymore. So I approached my new sponsor and I said, hey, I don't know if there's another in-depth, more in-depth nightly I can be doing because I do a nightly and I'm kind of just looking at the problems over and over again. And it's not, there's no solution to that for me. And she says, it sounds like you need another fourth step. So here I am now. Currently, today I'm working on my fifth fourth step um, because I don't want to be that person anymore. I need, I'm a really sick alcoholic that needs to keep looking at myself and bringing God in to all situations. And when I'm seeking answers, like that first thought in my head is probably my ego because my ego likes to talk first. I have to wait until I get that like, oh, right, I need to do that feeling. And it's like, okay, yeah, I got you, God. Yeah, okay, I'll do that, you know. And um, just remembering that to have faith. Um, I have a lot of fear um, with a lot of things in my life and just having faith that whatever is meant to be is going to be and that I will be okay if I bring my God into situation. And I've had uncomfortable conversations with friends this year um, and just bringing God into those things, right? Like just stopping and praying and asking God to give me the words and help me remove self from this and, and guide this conversation for me, you know, like asking my God to just guide it all. For me, it was. It's really about just bringing my higher power into as many situations, if not all, as I can remember to do so, because I'm a human, and that's not natural. Kayla, you have shared so many things about your journey in to and in recovery that uh, I relate to so many of them, and I think that a lot of people are going to relate to these things too. Thank you so much for being so willing to talk about some of these things because they're not easy to talk about. 
And thank you for being on the show today. Yes, I can feel your energy. And and I think, you know, you talked about people that are coming in and looking at Ikipai and wanting to be part of it all. And, and they're attracted to your recovery and your energy. Thank you. Thank you, Doc. Hey, Don, have we heard from any listeners? Why, yes, we have, Sam. It's time for listener feedback. Call 212-870-3418 or write us at podcast at aagrapevine.org. We have an email from Kyle M. All the way from South Africa. South Africa. Yeah. Kyle writes, Hi, Don, Sam, and the whole Grapevine team. I wanted to start by thanking you all for such a great service and show that you offer to us AAs. I found the podcast by chance about three weeks ago, but I believe God had a hand in the when part of me finding the show. I was going through a rough patch with a new job and a new relationship, both starting at about the same time. I really know how to be gentle with myself. I knew I needed as much recovery as I could get, so I started listening at home, at work, before bed, getting ready for work, just as much as possible. Four days later, my girlfriend broke up with me. Good Lord. A lot going on. A whole lot. And I somehow managed to find even more time to listen to the show and have just finished listening to the most recent episode five minutes ago. You guys have really helped carry me through a difficult time in my recovery without even knowing I exist, and I think that is a wonderful thing. I know it doesn't sound like much, but this was my first relationship in recovery and first real relationship and my first time starting a new job in recovery. The message of recovery is so powerful that it can touch people's lives in ways we could never imagine. The show has made me really think about recovery in new ways, look at concepts I hadn't really touched in a while, and re-examine my own recovery, all while laughing and resonating deeply with the shares. Now I find myself sitting and wondering what to do with myself until next Monday. Well, Tuesday for me by the time it's Monday for you. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm rambling at this point, but I do want to say thank you so much again for the service you do and the impact you have had on my recovery and life these last three weeks. Keep up the good work and the jokes that have me crying one way or another. Absolutely love them. Wait a minute. What was that at the end there? (laughs) I think that was a slam on wit's end. (laughs) I think so. Oh, wow. Kyle, thank you so much for writing in. I'm so glad that you found the podcast. Yes, indeed. And a breakup is not a small thing. A breakup is really devastating. And turning towards the program in times like that is really important. And I like the fact that you thank the whole Grapevine team. Because yeah, the podcast is all the people who listen and share with us all together. And then there's the background that you don't even know about that's going on with the grapevine. It is a handful of people in that office who are making all of this happen. You know, I recently read in Our Great Responsibility, it's all the talks that Bill W. gave to the conferences over the years. In there, in the preface, it says that towards the end of Dr. Bob's life, Bill and Bob turned over the leadership of AA, which everybody looked to them for leadership, and gave it to a principle that would guide AA in the future. And that principle is group conscience. 
provided by the delegates. And the delegates get the group conscience from their areas and then from their districts. And of course, where it comes from to beginning is from the meetings and from each one of us. And it's all like a spark of light going out into the world that made the grapevine, that made this podcast happen. And we got asked to do it. Don, I think you might be a service nerd now. (laughs) Absolutely am. It's happened. (laughs) Thanks again, Kyle. Hi, folks. We need your stories on the individual traditions. Pick one and write about your or your group's experience with it. How has a tradition played a part in your life? How has your understanding of a tradition changed? What is a personal experience where a tradition played a part? Visit aagrapevine.org for guidelines and to submit. An historic short snort from July 1958, using the word obstreperous, which means noisy and difficult to control. The obstreperous newcomer was being advised by a couple of old-timers. We think that it would help a lot if you could achieve a little more humility. What do you mean, humility? Why, when it comes to humility, I'm tops! (laughs) (laughs) it's really not that funny thanks for joining us the aa grapevine half hour variety hour is posted every monday and is produced by aa grapevine inc we don't speak for aa as a whole we share the experience strength and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org. It's time for even more listener feedback. Hi there. My name is Julia and I'm an alcoholic from Berlin in Germany. Dear Don and dear Sam, thank you for the amazing, magnificent, stupendous job you're doing with the Grapevine podcast. I can't wait every Monday for the new episode to come out. And I love this tool to spread the A message all over the world. You guys are amazing. Probably my favorite episode of recent times was the one where there was this guy, I don't remember his name, but he was so beautiful and he said he was going to go into an institution of palliative care to die because his kidneys didn't work anymore. He went into the care facility and there uh, stopped the treatment and the kidneys just started to work again. That was such a beautiful story. I cried and I do laugh a lot. So, and about the last episode about 
this convention where you had these great interviews with all these AA people. I want to get back to Rose H. I love that she sang at the meeting. And I want to share that the Washingtonians, who was a temperance, not, not a really a temperance movement, and a sort of an AA movement 100 years before AA, they used to sing at meetings. They were not religious, but they had hymns. And there was a book called The Washingtonian Pocket Companion. And um, here's one of the hymns, which I'm going to sing for you. And it goes like this. Hooray, hooray, we've burst the chain. Oh God, how long it bound us. We run, we leap. Oh God, again thy light, thy air surround us. From midnight's dungeon depths brought out, we hail hope's rising star. Oh comrades, give the stirring shout. Hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. <laughs> See, we were not the first ones to thank. Thank you for listening to me. Hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. <laughs> Julia, wow, what a fantastic message. And thank you for sharing that and that song. You know, I was just in a meeting in Sedona, Arizona recently, Don, and it was going to have singing in it. It was a kind of a variety show type of meeting. And they always had people singing as part of their shares. Sing your share. <laughs> I love it. And what a thrill to hear how the podcast is being listened to in Berlin. Thanks so much for calling, Julia. Thanks indeed. I want to find out more about that Washingtonian songbook. <laughs> Hello, my name is Mick. I'm calling from Sarasota, Florida. I've got a general question. It's about the International Conference in July of 2025 in Vancouver. Uh, what are y'all? Are y'all going to be there? Are y'all going to be doing a live podcast? And if so, when and where? I'd like to meet up with you guys because y'all have done a great job, and I've really enjoyed the podcast. That's it. Thanks, Mick. Thanks for calling. Yes. We are going to be at the International Convention 2025 in Vancouver, Canada. It's going to be exciting. I really hope we get to meet you and get to meet all of our listeners who are there. And I think we're actually going to attempt to do a recorded live show there. Absolutely. But we don't know where and when within the convention yet, but we will be there. We'll be sharing that as time goes on. But, you know, it is a good idea to be thinking ahead towards this. I've already applied to renew my passport. Sam, do you have a passport? Oh, I've got mine ready to go. I'm always ready to go international travel. You don't have you don't have any legal problems. Well, I have not, but we know that there are some of us who do have some legal concerns. And if you do have some concerns about getting into Canada to the international convention, Go to aa.org and click on that little magnifying glass search icon and type in International Convention 2025. The first result is going to be the International Convention FAQs. In there, they've got a lot of information on those of us that need a little help to get across the border. Make plans now. We want to see you. Hi, Don. Hi, Sam. This is Sarah. I'm an alcoholic from Mountain View, California. I felt moved to call and um, express my gratitude for the podcast, as well as Grapevine and Lavinia in general. 
I'm involved in general service in my area. It's a California Northern Coastal Area 6. I um, have the privilege of serving as recording secretary, so I take the minutes at our business meetings. And another part of my service is as an area officer, I get to visit districts within our area. I'm currently driving to District 90, Solano North. It's about a two and a half hour drive. And I've listened to three episodes and I frequently will listen to the Grapevine podcast during these drives and it really, your podcast supports my service in a way and I'm so appreciative that it exists to help keep me focused on the solution while I'm driving, so much so that I actually introduced a motion at our area committee meeting to support the Grapevine. I initiated a word count competition where members from our area can make a guess on what the word counts for our business meetings for our assemblies are, and whoever gets the closest gets to purchase something from the Grapevine or Lavinia store. The first winner purchased a print subscription through the Carry the Message project, and they were really excited to do that. So, But I figured I would also take a moment to thank you guys personally. Thanks for calling, Sarah. I'm glad the podcast supports your service work. That idea, though, oh, my goodness, how are you going to get a word count? Uh, I guess AI is going to take care of it. <laughs> it's a fantastic idea for a contest. I'm glad that we can help you out, and I'm glad that you're doing a lot of service work to support AA. Thanks so much, Sarah. And if you want to increase that word count, invite Don to your assembly. <laughs> Hi, Don and Sam. I'm Paul from Columbia Falls, Montana, and just wanted to let you know that you guys make me sweat. The one thing that I found most effective for me is get on my treadmill and listen to one of the episodes from the podcast. It's quite amazing that you have been doing this for a little over two years. Today, I listened to The people in the program, what a great one. But it was only 29 minutes, and so I had to finish it off with some music. Listen to Rod Stewart. The song I finished with was Forever Young. So if I do AA and listen to Rod Stewart, I got it made. But God bless you, and thanks for all you do. (laughs) Bye-bye. I can't believe yeah, forever young. Okay. <laughs> I love that. Keep yourself young there, Paul. <laughs> Watch out, Paul, because we got some episodes that run a little long, too. I mean, especially yeah. when we throw a little something after the close of the show. Yeah. I was a little worried there when you said we made you sweat. It's like, <laughs> oh, what have we done? <laughs> Don, every time you get that gleam in your eye when we're recording, you make me sweat. Yeah. <laughs> well... <laughs> Sam, let's get on our bikes and record. We've got to keep pumping. (laughs) Can you imagine us trying to do this out of breath? That would not be good. (laughs) Paul, thanks so much for calling. Thanks indeed.